In this video, you are going to see what Jesus himself said about his return, the end of times, right? His coming back and ruling from Jerusalem to this world. You're going to see what it says in the Bible, what God's word says, not what some preacher's saying or some someone's theory on it, but this is what the Bible says. Hey, my name is George Crabb. Welcome to my channel. Hey, if you haven't hit that subscribe button, hit it down below and you'll get all the latest episodes we're doing. Right now we're doing a series on how to find Jesus in the Old Testament called Road to Emmaus. Also, there's videos coming out on how to deal with uh, fear, anxiety, depression, how to have a good, healthy biblical marriage. So you're going to get practical videos that come out randomly as well. So, hey, welcome. Let's get in right into the scriptures. We're going to see what the end of times and Jesus's return is all about. And it starts in Matthew chapter 24. We're going to go right to it right now. All right. In verse 3 of Matthew chapter 24, this is called the Olivet Discourse. You might have heard that before, but it's Jesus on the Mount of Olives showing the disciples about the end of times and his return. Here it is. Ready? In verse 3, he sat down on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered them. See that no one leads you astray. And by the way, I'm so glad they asked that question, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, Jesus gave them so much insight right here. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, which means Messiah. Christ is just Greek for Messiah. I am the Messiah, they'll say. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars and see that you are not alarmed. So don't be alarmed if you hear of wars and rumors of wars, right? For this must take place, but the end is not yet. That is key right there. The end is not yet, okay? Many people think that, oh my gosh, we're seeing wars and rumors of war. Even in World War II, they thought this. World War I, they thought this. It's got to be the end now. Well, it's not yet. You're going to see these things first, but it's not yet. So let's go, let's move on. And then verse seven, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Well, we've seen all that. Check all those boxes, right? And all these things are but the beginning of the birth pains, okay? So that means it's just the beginning of the birth pains. And, and you women know exactly what this is all about, right? And uh, what happens with birth pains? Okay, they start out pretty mild. And I haven't had a baby. I'm sorry. I, I'm just saying what my wife's told me. And then it gets, you know, as it continues, it gets worse and worse and worse. And the pain is excruciating uh, and, it, and just horrible until finally the baby is born and there's new life, right? And that's the picture of the return of Jesus Christ. All of creation, the Bible says, is, is just waiting, is groaning and waiting for Jesus' return to bring things back to paradise here on earth. So, so all these are but the beginning of the birth pains. It says, this is what Jesus said, okay? It doesn't mean it's the end. It just, it's the beginning of the birth pains, okay? And then here in verse 9, and then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. That's very interesting right there. So 
believers arrested, persecuted, and killed. Um, this has happened in the past, but that was not the end because the gospel had not gone throughout all the world. Like, you know, like the early church in the 50s, 60s AD, the first century, um, there was lots of persecution going on, but 70 AD was not the fulfillment of Revelation like many people teach because when did all of the sea, the oceans turn to blood, all the water turn to blood, and everything in the sea die? That had not happened yet. Okay, so a lot of people think 70 AD was the fulfillment of Revelation. No, it was not. All right, so then Jesus said, They will deliver you up. You will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. I believe that this is speaking of the tribulation saints. Okay, I believe in... I believe that we are spared because I've read it in 2 Thessalonians. You can read it that we are caught up to be with the Lord. And then the people on the earth are going to say peace and safety. And then doom comes upon them. You could read that for yourself and see that. That's in the Bible. Also, in the first part of Revelation, the church of Philadelphia is said, Jesus himself tells them that they are spared from the hour of judgment that's coming on the whole face of the earth. God's wrath, but you'll be spared from it. So that speaks of a rapture, being caught up to be with the Lord, as 2 Thessalonians tells us. That's all that means. Rapture is just the, the Greek word harposa, which means caught up to be with the Lord. He, he saves us from this hour of trial, of tribulation. But then the, the people that are left behind, I believe many of them, right at that moment, will become believers. They'll see it happen. Many of them will become believers, and then many more will become believers as the tribulation continues, right? So then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then Matthew chapter 24, verse 10 says, And then many will fall away, okay, or stumble, and betray one another and hate one another. That's something that that's very descriptive of this seven-year period that's coming uh, someday to this earth. And then many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness, uh, lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. Isn't that kind of like the way it is today? Things are starting to look like that in many parts of the world in our big cities today, right? And then verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And that's key. The one who endures to the end will be saved. He doesn't, you know, denounce his faith in Jesus Christ. He stays with Christ. He may have to lose his life or she, but they will be in heaven. They will be spared, okay? And they will uh, be saved, it says here. And then verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This passage, this saying of Jesus right here, has been misinterpreted, misquoted for many years now, still today. I even heard it last weekend by somebody who was a, he was a missionary, he goes to different countries and all that. He has a great heart, loves the Lord. It's brought many people to Christ, but they believe that this is our job first, and then Jesus can come back, right? In other words, it's like our job to usher Jesus in. 
to do this first. Like it's all hinged and waiting and, and everything is waiting on us to do this. Because, you know, the Great Commission, Jesus said, go throughout the world, preach the good news to all nations, tribes, tongues, and languages. That's good. Yes, we are to do that. But they're saying that Jesus can't come back right now. In fact, that goes against the doctrine of imminent return, which is the doctrine that Paul had, that John had, that Peter had. They believe that Jesus can come back anytime. And we need to believe the same thing because no one knows when he's coming, but no one also knows that he's not coming. You, you can't, that's arrogant to say that. You don't know when he's coming or that he's not coming. In fact, the Bible even says in, in these later scriptures that there's two servants of the master, and that master being Jesus in this parable. And he says that one of them says, my Lord delays his coming. And he gets drunk with the, the, the wicked people and he beats on the, his fellow servant, his brother in Christ, right? And it's not a good picture. We don't want to be like that servant, but this is, this is interesting right here because this has been misquoted, misused in a lot of places, you guys. And this gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, will be, pro- will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. All right. Where in the Bible does it say that? Well, let's just go to Revelation, where all this is taking place anyway. The middle part of Revelation. We know Revelation is divided in three parts. There was the things, and it's and there's a there's an outline in it. If you go to chapter one of Revelation, verse nineteen, it says, "Write down." He's he's saying to to John, "Write down the things that were, the things that are, and the things that will be." And that word is like metatalta in Greek, which means things that will t- take place after this. It's later. So the things which are or were, okay, talking about Jesus. Um, his coming, all that, and how awesome he is in heaven and all these different things. And then the things that are the churches, the church age, which we're in right now. And then the things that will take place after these things. What things? After the church age. That's when he says it. And so <laughs> in it, we see that the church is no longer mentioned after that. And it's all about this this tribulation period, this seven-year period that's coming along the whole face of the earth, a very troublesome time. And here in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, we see this. After this, this is John seeing a vision of heaven, right? He's caught up to be in heaven in this vision, and he's seeing this. This is after he wrote about the churches and all that. So, after this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever. Amen. And one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and and from where they have come? And I said to him, sir, you know, John's like, I don't know, you know, sir. 
And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Wow. He tells us right here, the Bible is the best commentary for the Bible. We don't need somebody else telling us what's going on. These are the tribulation saints. And what were they? They were from every tribe, tongue, and language, and all the people, all the languages stand before the throne, right? Okay, so these are the tribulation saints. That's who they are. And we don't have to worry about wondering who, who these people are. It's very clear to us right there. So let's go back to Matthew 24, and let's look at what Jesus is saying. So we see right here in Matthew 24, Jesus said, And this gospel, right? And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. Okay? as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. All right? People believe, like I said before, a lot of missionary organizations believe that this is something they must do so Jesus can come, so the kingdom can come. No, uh-uh. Watch this again. We're going to go back to Revelation. All right? Here we go. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. Wow. And then he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. So, this angel flies around or communicates with the whole world in every tongue, language, all ethnicities, all, all nations, the good news of Jesus Christ. They all hear the gospel. And then later on in this book of Revelation, the end comes and Jesus returns with us, his bride. So it's right here, you guys. This is the Bible. I, you know, I, I mean, uh, seminary schools might tell you one thing your professor or some book or some missionary might tell you one thing, but we have to go after what the Bible tells us, you guys, only the Bible. This is the authority. This is God's word. All right, let's continue. So Jesus continues. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. So, a lot of people have misinterpreted this as well. In fact, seminary schools will spend entire semesters, even a year sometimes, debating whether Daniel's even a legit book written by Daniel. They'll do this. And it's it's nonsense because right here, and the reason they do that is because Daniel predicted so many things that happened many years later, right? So they're like, oh, he couldn't have wrote that. Well, what does Jesus say about Daniel? Huh. Spoken of by the prophet... Daniel. Jesus calls Daniel a prophet. So where's the argument? Why are these people, are, are they Christians? This is strange stuff to me. <laughs> so here he's referencing abomination of desolation. We know that this happened uh, right around like 150 AD, uh, BC with Antiochus Epiphanes, this evil man from the Grecian Empire. Um, he set up a Zeus statue, and it was an abomination of desolation in the Holy of Holies, and, he, and some people say he's put that image up and he wanted people to worship it. There was a seven-year uh, uh, 
treaty with Israel, with some of the leaders in Israel. And, and so a lot of people think that was a fulfillment of it. That was a partial fulfillment of it. That was a picture of the future one, guys. And then some people think it was 70 AD because General Titus uh, said they slaughtered a pig and 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 put the blood all over the holy of holy place. And, and it was a, yeah, that was a type of the uh, abomination of desolation, but that wasn't the because Jesus was talking about a future time right here. He said, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, and let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Well, many Christians thought this was it, and they did flee to the mountains, and they were spared from this moment. Josephus recorded a lot about what happened here, the, the 70 AD destruction of the temple. You can read about that. Um, but Jesus is speaking about a further time, because right now, this whole chapter, he's referencing the end, his return, right? He didn't return in 70 AD, okay? So he's speaking about the end. So Matthew 24, verse 17, and I want to go back to this, yeah, what Daniel was talking about here was a partial fulfillment in like one uh, 50 BC with Antiochus Epiphanes, this evil man, that the uh, Maccabean revolt came from that, where the Jewish people revolted against him, which was a good thing. And that's where we get the celebration of Hanukkah, because there's a the menorah stayed lit miraculously during this winter time, and that's the only winter feast. In fact, Jesus, in, in John chapter 10, he actually goes to the temple during the winter feast. So Jesus went for Hanukkah to the temple. So... Pretty interesting stuff. But what I want to say is this Antiochus Epiphanes guy, uh, just like we have types of Christ, like Joseph being a picture of, of Jesus and, and, and Moses too and Joshua, all these different things, God also gave us a type of the Antichrist. And the Antiochus Epiphanes guy was a type of the Antichrist, a picture of it, gives us a little outline of it. And one of the things about him was he had a wife, a bride, do your own research, look it up. He had a bride named Laodice, this, this Antichrist character named Antiochus Epiphanes, way back in 150 BCE, right? He had a wife named Laodice. Well, the church of Laodicea, right? Which has, Jesus said, you're either hot nor cold. I'm not even, you know, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. He's knocking on the outside, asking to come in. They're not even, he's not even living in, inside of this church, right? The church of Laodicea, the last listed church in Revelation. I believe that's the last church. I think that's the one that's left behind in the tribulation period. And then they come back. Some of them will come and receive Christ. But I believe it's it's mixing things like, like Chrislam, mixing Islam with Christianity, um, things like that, right? It's It's not pure. It's not the true, truly believing. It's lukewarm, as it's described in, in Revelation chapter 3, this church of Laodicea. But anyway, this Antichrist-type guy has a bride, and her name is Laodice, and she is from Laodicea. Wow. <laughs> Interesting stuff, right? So let's go to verse 16. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let the one who is on the housetop not go down and take what is in his house and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak and and alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days like woe to them for these these women and then it says in verse 20 pray jesus said pray that your flight may not be in winter or on sabbath 
For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. He's not speaking about 70 AD, you guys. He's speaking about the very end. In fact, the whole context, again, of Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, is Jesus talking about his return, okay? His final return, the end of times. And so there'll be a great tribulation such as there has not been from the beginning of the world until now, not even the flood of Noah. And no, and there never will be. And if those days had not been cut short to human, or excuse me, no human being would be saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. And if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. That's scary, right? And then verse 25, see, I have told you beforehand. Jesus is saying, I told you beforehand. And so if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. And if they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Speaking about his own return, right? Oh, Jesus is out in the desert, east of Damascus. No, don't believe that. That's not true. And that's not the real Jesus, if that's the case. And then verse 27, for as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. So his final return after he catches us up to be uh, with him for that seven-year period, his bride, the church that's spared from the wrath of God, then he comes back with us and all the saints, and he comes back and everyone sees it. As lightning comes from the east and the west and shines as far as the west, excuse me, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. I don't know what that verse means, but it's interesting. Maybe it's the dead bodies. And then verse 29. Immediately after those tribu the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and speaking of himself, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven and with power and great glory. And they will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. He will, excuse me, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as the branches become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. And so also when you see all these things, you know that it is near at the very gates. So I believe that that scripture, a lot of people said that the fig tree is Israel. I don't know. But what I do know is Jesus gave it like a parable. He says, uh, learn from the fig tree and this lesson. When you see or the branches budding, so that's the whole theme of this. When you see the branches budding, it puts out puts its leaves out its leaves. You know that summer is near. You know the season is near when you see it budding, right? So, so also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. In other words, his very end, the return of Jesus when that happens. And then verse 34, truly I say to you, 
this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Of course, those people living there in that tribulation period, they will see all these things take place. And heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. So don't try and figure out what day he's coming back, all right? Don't fall into that trap. All right, so for as as were the days of Noah, this is very interesting to me, for as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be, right? For as in those days before the flood, there was eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when the ark, or when Noah entered the ark. And that's when all hell broke loose, right? That's when that the, the foundations of the earth were ruptured, the whole earth flooded. It was a, a cataclysmic moment. And Jesus is saying, just like the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be? What were the days of Noah like? Well, if you read chapter 6 in Genesis, you see that there was a lot of violence. There was violence over the whole face of the earth. There was nothing but evil in man's heart. So God said, I'm going to have to put an end to this so that he can save Noah before even Noah's family was infected with all this, right? And that's what God did. It was actually a, a out of mercy, and he kept a remnant of humans. So we're still here, you and me. We should be thankful. So... Verse 38, uh, he talks about how they were marrying, given into marriage, and then boom, the tribulation period comes, right? So they're marrying, given into marriage, just like today. Boom, we are caught up to be with the Lord. Then that tribulation period starts, and there's no going back. But you can still be saved if you're in it because you can receive Christ. The Bible does say that you will have to be martyred and... Uh, and but that doesn't mean anything because so what they're going to kill your body you're going to be forever in heaven my friends and that's what matters where your soul goes forever for eternity right hey if you haven't subscribed yet my friends hit that subscribe button down below you're gonna get all the latest episodes like i said before and you're also going to get right now we're, we're doing a series called road to emmaus and how to find jesus in all of the bible and all those old testament scriptures and it's really good stuff it'll help you lead people to christ all right, let's continue. Verse 39 of Matthew chapter 24. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So that so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Uh, some people think that this is not referring to the, the rapture. I think it is because over here he kind of went back. Jesus went back, speaking of his coming being sudden. People were marrying, given to marriage. It's not a matter of, of the sea turning to blood, everything in the sea dying, and all these horrible things that are happening uh, in, in the book of Revelation, you know, that middle part there. And um, it's speaking of, his, of a peaceful time, just like Second Thessalonians was talking about when they yell peace and safety. You know, it's almost like a celebration. Then... That seven-year period begins. And that's what it's speaking of here. And I believe that this is speaking of the rapture. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken. One will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. You don't know that he's not coming now, and you don't know when he is coming. Nobody knows. The doctrine of imminent return. Be ready. 
be ready, guys, <laughs> right? There was this umpire when I was a little kid. Uh, my dad and some of the other guys in our church, they played softball. And there was this old umpire. He had this little broom, and he'd sweep off the, you know, the home plate, and he would say, be ready. It was really cool, but it made me think of this. Be ready, guys, all right? It says, therefore, stay awake. Stay sober, stay awake, for you do not know when your Lord is coming. And then verse 43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. So here in verse 44, therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. It's going to be a total surprise, you guys, The first when he comes to catch us up to be in in the air with him and then after that he's coming the whole world's gonna see it happen okay so verse 45 who then is the faithful and wise servant from whom his master has set over his household to give them their good or their food at proper time blessed is that servant whom his master will find in so doing when he comes truly i say to you he will set him over all his possessions But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, first of all, but if that wicked servant, okay, that means he's a Christian because that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed. Speaking of Jesus, he can't come. It's delayed. He's not coming right now. That's a scary thing to say. Oh, he can't come right now. Really? You're, You're playing the role of this guy? And then verse 49, and begins to beat his fellow servant and eats and drinks with the drunkards, the master of that servant. So here he's saying the master of that servant. In other words, he is a believer, but he's walking away from the Lord. I don't know. He's, he's, he, he's saying my Lord delays his coming. Whoa. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour, he does not know. And, and will cut him in pieces and put him in with the hypocrites in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. Wow, what a warning. That scares me. Don't ever say the Lord is delaying his coming. We do not know when he is coming. He can come at any moment, and that's the doctrine the Bible teaches. That's what Jesus just taught us. All right. So the next chapter, 25, there's a little bit more about his return. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Let's look at these footnotes, or torches, and went to meet the, the bridegroom. and um, Or bride, it says. So, so five of them were foolish, and five were wise, Jesus said. And when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. Remember the oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit? But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, all, they all became drowsy and they slept. This is a, a parable showing how we should not sleep and be drowsy. We need to be awake, be alert, be ready for Jesus' return. And then verse 6, But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him! Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. 
But the wise answered, saying, Since there will only be enough for us, and or there won't be enough for us and you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Marriage feast, the door shut. That's like the ark being shut. God shut the ark, and that was it. And there was a great tribulation period over the whole face of the earth where people died in that flood. And then back here, it says that uh, uh, at about midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. Well, the Jewish marriage is a beautiful picture of this because when there was the betrothal, it was like being married. So like we are like the bride of Christ, even though we're not with him yet. We're like betrothed to him. We belong to him. We're still legally married in the Jewish, that's the way it was in ancient, uh, the ancient Jewish ways. And then, check it out, so the, the groom or the uh, fiancé, he would go and he would build this portion of the house, okay, of the father's house, attached to the father's house. And it was for his bride, for him and his bride to live in. And one day, the father, he would look at it every day, and then one day, only the father knew, not, not the son, but the father knew, and he would say, okay, it's ready. Go get your bride. And then he would go, sometimes with his groomsmen, and they would go sometimes to a far away another town, sometimes in the middle of the night. And the groomsmen would shout out, sometimes with trumpets, and they would shout out, the bride, the, here it is in the scripture, the bridegroom is here. Come out to meet him. And that bride would run out to meet him, and they would go off and they would live in that place attached to the father's house that the bridegroom prepared. And they lived there for seven days a week, right? Seven days together and celebrated. And they had feasts with the family and rejoiced. I think it was at the end of the seven-year period they had this big feast with the rest of the family. But during that time, it was just them and it was their honeymoon, right? Doesn't that speak of the rapture, the caught up of the church, the, br the bride of Christ to be with him for seven years? I think so. And then the, they would have a great celebration and a great banquet, which speaks of the very end of that seven-year tribulation period. There's a great banquet as well. So that's what I believe that Jesus was pointing out. And those in this time, in these Jewish times, understood this very clearly. So let's see, we left off in verse 9, but the wise answered saying, we were, I think it was verse 10 maybe, and while they were going to buy the bride, going to buy the bridegroom came, and those who were, who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Ooh, that's scary scripture, right? Remember, Jesus said in another passage that uh, there'll be those in that day who say, Lord, Lord, did I not cast out demons in your name? Uh, did I not uh, do these, these, these signs and wonders in your name, right? I'm just paraphrasing here, but he said, away from me, I never knew you. That's scary stuff, guys. You see these people on TV casting demons out, slaying people in the spirit, I don't think they're of Jesus Christ, a lot of them. I, you know, I mean, there's bad fruit there. A lot of those guys are just stealing money, right? So verse 12, But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. 
Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. Uh, to the one he gave five talents, to another uh, two, and to another or to each according to his ability. Then he went away. And he who, re- who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. And also he who had the two talents went and got two talents more. But he who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Are you hiding the fact that you gave your life to Christ at one time? Don't do that. Don't hide it. Jesus said, don't hide your light. Don't put a basket over your light or bushel over your light. Let your light shine to the world. Don't be ashamed of him. Jesus said, if you're not ashamed of me, if you declare my name before others, I will declare you before my father, right? So yeah, I paraphrase that, but you need to acknowledge Jesus publicly, my friends. It's very important. So now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me the five talents. Here I have made five more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Boy, do I want to hear that when I go to heaven, don't you? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he said to the one who had two talents that came before him, saying, Master, I deli- you delivered to me the two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Same thing. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground here. You have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful, that means lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I do where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, or will will more be given, and to he and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So when the Son of Man comes in his glory and the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Wow. And before him will be gathered then all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the goat, the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdoms prepared for you, the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was stranger to you, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and and clothe you? And then, and when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, the footnote says, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you curse to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and you, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, you did not do it to one of the least of these. You did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Wow. Hey, if you do not know Jesus Christ, you're going to have an opportunity to know him and him know you. So in that day, he can say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. He won't say to you, away from me, I never knew you. You need to receive Christ into your life if you want eternal life with him in paradise. Or you can have eternal misery burning in hell, which was prepared for Satan and his minions, not you. But you can choose to go there if you don't receive Christ. You must choose Christ. There's no other way. So back to those scriptures. There was a, uh, during the Holocaust in Germany, there was churches, okay, these German churches. And they would hear the train coming by during their services. And they would sing louder. You know why? They wanted to drown out the screams and the cries of the Jewish people and others in those cattle cars going to the concentration camp. Those are Jesus' brethren, his kinsmen. And the Jews have been hated throughout the world, decade after decade, century after century. They've been mistreated. They've been the outcasts. People have treated them horribly. And Christians have been guilty, so-called Christians have been guilty of this. And I believe that that's what those scriptures were referencing. When, when Jesus was talking about that, he was talking, I think, a lot about his own Jewish people, who are the most despised and hated people in this world, other than some of the true Christians. So we need to take care of them. I've been supporting Israel for many years, my friends. I support the uh, International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, and uh, they help poor Israeli families come back to their homeland where they can be safe, they will be clothed, They'll be able to have food, and they will be treated right. Okay, so that's that's my little, okay, the works that I do. My wife and I, we've been supporting them. So I'm not boasting in that. Um, I think it's just something that Christians should be doing. And, um, and by the way, 
if you're interested, you can go to the link in the description down below and you can order these shirts, bumper stickers, mugs, all that stuff, right? But the whole thing is Jesus loves Israel. That never changed, okay? And this will all go, all the proceeds of this go to this ministry. And uh, I'm reaching out to the Jewish people, sending these uh, videos sometimes, promoting them in Israel. And some of them are being reached, you guys. And it's really cool because they're seeing Jesus in the Old Testament, in their Tanakh. That's their Bible. In the Torah, the first five books written by Moses, they're seeing Jesus in these scriptures, you guys. So... Again, the link's down in the description below. These are great. I've got a few of these. They're good quality. I've got this t-shirt right here. I still want to get a sweatshirt. Um, but uh, Jesus loves Israel. Does he not? He still loves them. Remember the high priest has the 12 precious stones over his heart. The 12 stones representing the tribes of Israel. So good, right? So, hey, if you do not know Jesus and you would like to receive him as your Lord and as your Savior right now, you could say this prayer right after me. Just repeat the prayer after me. It's you praying to God. This is to start a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with God as a child of God, being born again into the family of God. All right? Just repeat this prayer after me if that's speaking to your heart. All right, let's pray. Again, repeating this after me, you're asking Jesus to take residence in your life as your Lord, as your master, your king. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. I believe that you came to this world and that you died on the cross and you shed your blood for me. I also believe that in three days you were raised from the dead and that you are alive today. I choose to follow you as my Lord and as my Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Wow. Hey, my friend, you get to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come, <laughs> come on in. And that's what it's about. You know, heaven is rejoicing. If you prayed that prayer, heaven is rejoicing right now for what you just did. God loves you, my friend. All right. Hey, looking forward to some future episodes with you and i hope you were blessed by it god bless you my friend and god bless his kingdom coming to this world <laughs>